Space for Friday, June 30th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Herbaly here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport, check out the apron at the Western Wall Center YVR. Eat local, eat fresh, eat well. Matt Sikharis alongside Jeff Patterson sitting in for Blake Price today. Grease ass, hitting switches and conducting things in this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. It's all good at Applewood. Bulldog poll question today. Which free agent is right for the Vancouver Canucks? You can vote for JT Comfer, Matt Dumba, Ryan O'Reilly, or Dimitri Orloff. Do so at Sikharison Price on Twitter. Bodog your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog line of the day from me. The big Monday showdown in the CFL. BC Lions at Toronto Argonauts. 3-0 versus 2-0. And oddsmakers already loving what they see from BC. They're three-point favorites on the road against Toronto. I don't like that number. I'm going to take the field goal and the home team, pull a Donnie Taylor here. Maybe expect a close game on your Bodog line of the day. How you doing? Thanks for sitting in. Yeah, no, excited to head into the long weekend. I just realized I'm wearing red and white. That wasn't really by design, but uh, it is, of course, Canada Day weekend. It's free agency in the NHL. We're through the draft. Lots going on. Excited mm-hmm. to see in the sun is shining on top of all of that. So, Let's yeah. get to Bodog poll results from yesterday. We asked you, how would you grade the Canucks 2023 draft class? A, B, C, or D slash unsure. What won the poll? I'm going to say C. I think people said that they were a little underwhelmed by the way it all shook down. B won the poll. Okay. 43%. 31% voted for C. D got 19% or unsure just to see the results. And only 7% went with an A. I think you're right because they didn't really draft any kind of offensive dynamic skill amongst their seven draftees. So we saw a little bit of that. I think... The market was a little bit split on Wheelander. I think some were fully supportive and are optimistic. And let's face it, you want to be optimistic about a 18-year-old draft pick. I think some were very much in the Zach Benson camp. And, um, you know, then the rest of the draft went on. And, uh, look, right shot de- defense was very much a big need, and they have three of them now. But... Did you get somebody who could profile and play center down the road? I'm not necessarily sure you have. So, No, I look, I, I like the pick of Willander. We talked about it uh, right after he was selected on Wednesday night. Uh, Hunter Rustavich, I'll give him every opportunity. He profiles as a modern, mm-hmm. you know, puck-moving, good skating transition guy. But we're talking about a third-round pick. And, yep. again, I was hoping that with two-thirds and three-fourths that maybe there was a package to move back into the second round. Because really, that's where you find your elite talent. The top two rounds after that, you're just taking cuts at that point and hoping Mm -hmm. that you knock something into play. Comments here. Shane says, pretty much a ho-hum as it will be a couple of years before a good estimate. A little concerned that the size was smaller than league average. Was really hoping for Simichev. Didn't really add much hope for the future. RK says, the three fourth-round picks are just head-scratchers. And Smajowski says, first two picks I think can be great, but they need to stop picking 20-year-olds in the middle rounds. Get two overagers. Now... Two different schools of thought on this, and particularly with the pandemic, who may which may very well have affected some of these players, right? Like, we're talking about draft classes now that had their 15-year-old season, 16-year-old season, really affected by the pandemic. 
yeah, I hear you. When they're older and already bypassed, it probably means they have some warts on their game. In some cases, you can get these guys as free agents uh, when they get through college. You know, the flip side is, is it's very difficult for 20-year-olds in the AHL, so you get players who are maybe a little closer physically to the NHL, a, a, a little more experienced, a little more mature, perhaps even just late bloomers. But, yeah, I can understand the concerns with drafting overagers. On today's poll, and it may very well be none of the above, which is one of our options on YouTube, but Confer Dumba, O'Reilly, Orloff, what do you think? Ooh. Uh, all feels, Those are some of the best they all free feel agents rich to me, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm not expecting them to go shopping in that bin. So uh, I know that uh, none of the above isn't an option on the poll question there, but I, I'm looking at guys that aren't coming to that price point. I, I'm looking more at the Nick Bugstads of the world. I'm looking at mm-hmm. Pius Suter. Uh, Teddy Bluger is a name that's been linked to them, obviously. You know, they need penalty killers that much. I, I think that beyond the players, I think any player that they sign – uh, there's going to be a premium on some penalty killing. It's such an area of concern for the mm-hmm. hockey club. So, uh, you know, the, the names on defense, we've bounced those around. Ian Cole and Carson Soucy. Uh, Scott Mayfield is one that's intriguing to me if he leaves the island. I know that they're still talking into the late hours here. Uh, we'll Luke see. Shen? Yeah, Luke Shen. Yeah. Although, I, I I don't know. My, my I know you're a move-on from well, Shen but guy. But the, the spidey senses tell me that it's not going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Graves would be interesting and intriguing to me again. He's a little higher up the food chain. Yep. Like, I think they, they've got some money to spend. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that this isn't going to be all bargain bin shopping, mm-hmm. but I, I think the ones on the poll question uh, a little too rich for the Canucks. I, I've heard Elliot Freeman say that he thinks the money and term, or sorry, the term and, and trade protection isn't, a, isn't an issue for the Leafs with Shen, but the money might be he also reports uh, reports jeff that they have an interest in ryan o'reilly yeah. you know who now a third line center of course he was higher up the pecking order when he was winning a cup with st louis but i wouldn't be surprised if they go and hand ryan o'reilly a decent contract tomorrow elliot also floated out they might be interested in tyler bertuzzi too but I don't well, know if he's going to Canada. So, yeah, that one I just can't see. You're talking about maybe the best free agent available. He's looking for seven-year term, and you were already so winger All right. heavy. I voted for Confer, but he might be a little rich for their blood down the middle. But he did do a lot of penalty killing on top yes. of producing offense in Colorado. And so I, I do think that any guy that – the Canucks are looking at, you do have to check the penalty killing profile because mm-hmm. I do think that that's an area of absolute need. And I think it's something that they're going to try, try to address here uh, in the next four Well, and hours. particularly with the defense man or men, mm-hmm. because Patrick Alvin identified that earlier in the week. I've heard some people believe that if Mayfield gets to open market, he may get a pretty sizable deal there because people like his profile. He's, he's been a late bloomer himself. Uh, Pi Suter's an interesting name yep. at third line center because I think you might be able to get him on a decent contract where you feel good about it as opposed to what many of these free agents are going to take, and that's an overpayment. And look, I can't sit here and write the entire book on Pius Suter. No. But he's played three full years in the National Hockey League. 27-year-old Swiss player, just turned 27. He's three years in the league. He scored 14 twice and 15 in the yep. middle season. So in Chicago and Detroit, neither one of them exactly mm-hmm. – you know, juggernauts when he was playing with them. So there is some offense there, and he's done penalty killing. He's a left shot. 
Ideally, I think they'd like a right side guy, which is why Bugstad, I think, is of some real interest to them. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know Rick Tockett wants a little more heft up front, and mm-hmm. uh, Nick Bugstad has that as well. He's going to be 31, so he's not a long term solution, but could he give you a couple of years? I think he could. He had 17 goals last year, split between Arizona and Edmonton, and looked all right uh, in the playoffs the couple of rounds that the Oilers played. We had a good discussion with Frank Corrado, and you'll hear the interview later, and Frankie's part of TSN's free agent frenzy, if we can still call it a frenzy tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, But Frank's one of the guys at TSN who's looking at sort of the contract value and estimating what these free agents will get. And we've sort of been going on the AFP analytics list that Daily Faceoff has used with regards to unrestricted free agents. Now, they have Susie pegged as a three-year, $2.5 million per deal, but so far their estimates have come in a little bit light, and it tends to only increase on um, on July 1st. Blake thought Susie could maybe get as much as $4 million. Yeah, the Canucks can't go there. They just can't. And I, I do think he's the kind of guy. I mean, six foot five. he's profiled well, good underlying numbers in Seattle. As a third-pair guy, though, and I just wonder if that's what he is. Yes, and I we've seen that this is with Tucker Pullman and Tyler Myers mm-hmm. and these teams that see a guy in a different role elsewhere and think, well, the numbers all match up. Let's give him more of an opportunity. And then you bite off more than you can chew. Right. That's my fear with Carson Soucy, but he's big, he's physical. Look, they've got Quinn Hughes, they've got Philip Ronick. They don't need offense. They need a guy that can come in, mind the shop, clear the front of the net, kill penalties. And Carson Soucy can do all of those things at six foot five. Um, but I just I he strikes me as the kind of guy that might be able to create a bit of a bidding war and get the number closer to where Blake thinks it could be. Well, here's the thing. They have resigned a right shot defenseman today. Noah Julson gets a two year two way deal. What do you make of that extension? And is Noah Julson gonna be a NHL regular next year? Uh, maybe take the conversation a little further. Is he gonna be Quinn Hughes's partner on defense? Didn't look out of place when he played with Quinn Hughes. Now, he played 12 games at the NHL level for the Canucks. They used 16 defensemen last year. He was one of them. Uh, I like the signing. I like it a lot. He was going to be a Group 6 free agent if they didn't come to terms. I think the Ethan Bear surgery complicated matters a little bit here, and I think they circled back on Juleson. But, you know, this is an Abbotsford guy who absolutely embraced the opportunity to play and create a culture down on the farm. They loved him. And Matt, the one playoff game that I went to in Abbotsford, I remember coming on after with you guys, he was the best player, I thought. At least the best yeah. defenseman for the Canucks. Finished absolutely every check. Like He made life miserable for the Calgary Wrangler players. Uh, after the game, Jeremy Colleton was raving about, like, you know, he just plays it between the lines. He plays it clean. He doesn't take penalties, but he's physical. Uh, and just looking, and this kind of shocked me, actually, as I looked. Again, the Canucks used 16 defensemen last year. He played 12 games and finished sixth on the Canucks in hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the guys that they've got under contract, like Luke Shen's not here. Kyle Burroughs isn't here. OEL's bought out. They were all ahead of him in hits. Tyler Myers is the only guy under contract among the defensemen with more hits. Now, I think Philip Ronick will be physical. I don't think he's going to be a, an absolute bone crusher, but I think he's a guy that doesn't shy away from contact. But... Noah Juleson didn't look out of place in the games that he played. He got a chance to play with Quinn Hughes. Is he the solution for Quinn Hughes looking forward and you know long-term? No. But um, if he starts the season there, you know that's something that may have to look at. So I just think it's good to have him in the fold. I think he recognizes the importance of 
the American Hockey League out in Abbotsford. He embraced all of that as a local guy. And he was a first-round pick in Montreal. And I always say this, first-round guys, you know, they may not hit the way that teams that drafted them hope, but they're usually first-rounders because they've got hockey skill, but they've got the high IQ as well. And you you don't lose that. And I thought Noah Juleson showed that. He played like he understands, you know, what makes him successful when he gets to the National Hockey League and he just played within himself. So good signing. I think he just, uh, you know, uh, under a million bucks, it's a decent price tag at the NHL level. Yeah, solid AHL salary. He's going to make close to 500 grand in the American Hockey League if he's playing in the minors. Uh, I don't know what kind of interest there would have been out on the open market, but uh, I think this is good for both the player and the hockey club. And we have word that the Vancouver Canucks will not qualify defenseman Ethan Bear nor Travis Dermott or Carson Folk. Uh, they are qualifying Akito Hiroshi, Nils Hoaglander, and Vitaly Kravtsov. Kravtsov off to the KHL, but they retain his rights. Uh, no surprise on the guys who will be qualified. I suppose not on Dermot or Folk either, but Ethan Bear and the injury at the World Championships. And boy, this is why guys do not go to the World Championships when they're free agents, either unrestricted or restricted. Your reaction, Jeff, to Ethan Bear, who won't be back, or at least won't be back on a qualifying offer with that shoulder surgery that's going to keep him out till perhaps as perhaps as late as mid-December. Yeah, and I, I don't think it spells the end of Ethan Bear as a Vancouver Canuck. It just means that he can go to the open market here with a bum shoulder and in recovery, and I don't know how much interest there's going to be you know, his partner or his wife just had a baby. Like, they're setting down roots. I think he liked it in Vancouver. The Canucks paid assets to get him. They included him in that year-end letter to the season ticket holders. And then, as you said, uh, news out of the world that he required surgery, looking like Christmas time. He's not going to have any leverage out there on the market. So I do wonder if at some point the Canucks and Ethan Bear's camp circle back and, you know, try to get a dollar deal done that makes sense for both sides and gives Bear security, knowing that he's got a contract at least when he gets the green light to play again and continue to rehab under Canucks uh, medical staff. But I, I think it makes sense for the Canucks. He, he that, was he was going to come in at just under $2.5 million on a qualifying offer. And they offer. knew they weren't going to have him for half a season. And but so, there was LTI, you know, in some cases you don't mind that because you can LTI the player and exceed the cap, but I, my sense is that he's not done as a Canuck, but okay. that can change tomorrow, I guess, with one phone call if there's a team out there that you know thinks that they see a player that they're prepared to wait on knowing that he's not going to be available for the first half of the season. I feel for Travis Dermott. I mean, it just never got to know him, never no. got to see him. Uh, you know, a strange situation in preseason last year, a practice out at UBC where you could just see he was in distress, and that was it. I mean, he played a handful of games, but... You know, never full health. And I, I like the idea of Travis Dermott when they made the trade to bring him in the previous season. But, uh, boy, it just, mm. you know, we you, re, you feel for guys like that. I mean, this is a pro hockey player that has right. hockey taken away from him. And I don't know where it goes from here. But you have to be, you know, it's just like anything in life. I mean, without your health, you're nothing. And yeah. so I don't know. Uh, if there'll be interest, if he'll have to take a two-way deal and play in the minors somewhere, uh, but he's got to get healthy and prove that he can play first and foremost. So What this does do, though, is it takes two potential right-side options out of the yep. Vancouver Quiver, at least for right now, mm-hmm. with Bear and Dermott. Now, they have backfilled with Juleson, but they are firmly on the UFA market now uh, for a right-side guy and a top-four guy. And frankly, as you know, you said, everyone's got to be able to kill penalties here. 
given their woes in that area over the last couple of years and given the construction of the defense that they have existing. Development camp starts on Sunday, and you were telling me you think they hope to get the entirety of this seven-player draft class out there? Yeah, that's my understanding that certainly Tom Willander is going to be here. I think Jonathan Lekarimaki is coming back. Uh, you know, some of the guys that were the mid-round picks that weren't there in Nashville, I guess uh, they pack a bag. Uh, the big guy, uh, Alrickson, the Swede, he'd have a long way to come, but uh, uh, this is an opportunity. They drafted you. They want to see you. So I would think that uh, the hope is you can get all these guys over here uh, on a session starting on Sunday. And what's a long weekend and the sun is shining, but uh, people love their hockey fix. Sessions are open. Uh, the Canucks have confirmed that, that uh, out at UBC, the Doug Mitchell good. Winter Sports Center. And it wraps up with a scrimmage on Wednesday. I think that might be of interest. A Wednesday evening scrimmage. The Canucks have all the info on their website. But, uh, you know, the practice days are the practice days. But uh, if people are going to check it out, maybe Wednesday night, see a little scrimmage in early July. It's funny. Yesterday we had Aiden Celebrini on the show, the Canucks sixth-round pick from the Brooks Bandits AJHL program, who's heading to uh, Boston University alongside Wheelander and alongside his brother, uh, Macklin. I, I sent a note uh, to Rick Celebrini, his father, and of course, one-time Canucks Director of Human Performance, now working with the Golden State Warriors, Warriors last night, just congratulating him and the family. And and uh, if you know anything about Rick, he is not afraid of hard work. He is a guy who is morning, noon, and night, one of these 25-hour in a day type of guy. So he sent me a note back. He said, Matt, we all know the path for a six rounder to make it to the NHL. Now he gets to work winky face. So there you go. Rick Celebrini anticipating that his first son drafted here in the NHL. Aiden uh, is going to put in the time. Uh, and certainly his father has been a great example of that over the years. Okay. We mentioned the lions in Toronto on Monday to face the Argonauts, this from Farhan Lalji, where the good news is Dominic Rimes is good to go. The good news is that Keon Hatcher is off the six-game injured list and ready to go, and we knew he wasn't going to miss six games, but they wanted to play cautious with him in the early going. But the Lions receiving core is almost reminding me of the Canucks defense core at one point, where can you get them all together and healthy at the same time? It doesn't sound like Lucky Whitehead is going to play in this game, still lingering hamstring there. And then Smoke Mizell, the running back, didn't practice all that much yesterday. He's hoping to practice tomorrow, but sounds like he's got a knock. Now, the backup running back was released from the practice roster this week, so this may have to be a Vernon Adams and, the, and that exceptional defense for the BC Lions may have to carry them through this game. Whitecaps in Kansas City tomorrow. Now the Caps are on the final playoff spot in the West as it stands right now, but because of that postponement in Denver, they do have games in hand in just with just about everybody in their orbit here. Problem tomorrow is you need a result. If you hand Sporting Kansas City three points, you bring them right back into the fold and they become a little bit more dangerous. There's a couple teams already in the West, LA Galaxy and Colorado, that would need some degree of winning streak just to get back into this thing. And if you're the Caps, you're hoping to continue to eliminate these bottom teams in the West. And so you got an opportunity for a second straight road win. You've finally broken the curse <laughs> away from yeah. BC place this year, and magnificently so, at least on the offensive side of the pitch 
against LAFC. This would be a big step for that program in Vanny Sartini to show that you can build on a very good win. Yeah, well, Vanny put on a pretty good show himself on on Wednesday night, was it? I think uh, with Nickelback at uh, Rogers Arena. We'll see if his his crew can do the same. But I do think that the win in Los Angeles should take a little bit of the edge off. And, you know, it's funny. They were in such a compressed part of the schedule with all the Canadian Champions League games and the Canadian Championship that the rainout in Colorado in some ways, now I know that they had to sit around and wait, but they didn't have to go out and play a game uh, in some ways, maybe that was a little bit of a, a blessing to them because they looked fresh and ready last week in Los Angeles and now a week off here. So, uh, yeah, let's hope that they can build off it. Uh, wouldn't that be something to have uh, the Whitecaps, you know, live for a while above the playoff yes. bar through the summer months and into the stretch run? Well, and home playoff game, Jeff. Yes. Uh, they're <laughs> so good at home, you know, yeah. that, and it's gettable this year in the MLS West. This is a better but team. they just had such a survival the last bunch oh, of years I know, around I know. the playoff I know, bar. Like, I know. Give yourself a cushion. This has got to be the year. This is It's a much better team. This has got to be the year where you move forward, take a step forward uh, in this West and declare yourself not just as a, t- a playoff team or a fringe playoff team, but a team that is intent on hosting a game where you've been so good at BC Place. Final 1 p.m. start of the uh, 1 p.m. Saturday start of the season tomorrow and Nat Bailey Nooner going on today of course one o'clock A&W Family Fun Days on Sunday now the C's are already guaranteed a split against Spokane and their bats are really coming alive here Canadian Desan Brown we had him on the show a few weeks back he and infielder Alex DeJesus have been very good over their last 10 games and the pitching has been except, exceptional for the C's this year I sold it out again last night it is a very tough ticket, folks, in the summer months, particularly now that school is out, as we always advise you, if you're hoping to get to Nat Bailey Stadium and that fantastic Vancouver summertime tradition, plan ahead, plan accordingly. It is difficult to get your hands on tickets at this stage of the season. The Golf Report, brought to you by the Whistler Golf Club. We've been talking about those great buddy and corporate outings up at the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club. I should also tell you, look, the Nike Pro Shop's there. Exclusive footwear and apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, Moore, and Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill, featuring one of Whistler's top 10 patios. For information or to book your tee times, visit whistlergolf.com. Jeff, mm-hmm. and you're a regular uh, golf partner with us here, we've been doing it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, my entire life, I think. Mm-hmm. 2019, Golf Digest, and this was in advance of the pandemic, did a study on leaving the pin in. Oh. I will quote, putting with the flag stick in only works for putts that strike the stick dead center and at high velocity. You'll remember we all started leaving the pins in after COVID the because that rule. was yes. one of the rules, right? Touch contact. They didn't yes. want you touching the pins. At the time, they had the pool noodle, so you didn't have to reach too deeply into the cup. It cost me an ace at number 16. Northlands, you were there. Alas, many of us have come to just leaving the totally. flag stick in since COVID. Save some time, right? Save some hassle. Golf Digest in 2019 secured Professor Tom Mace of Cal Poly University to answer this question. 
I will quote, his research on the value of leaving the flagstick in was precise, painstaking, and perfectly clear. His findings upend the conventional wisdom that the flagstick is some kind of backstop gathering wayward pots back into the hole. The facts of his study suggest the opposite, that the flagstick does much, much more to hurt your chances of a putt going in than help turn a bad putt into a made one. We're not going to go through all the physics here, (laughs) but basically they experimented with three different type of material flag sticks, because not all flag sticks are the same. Some are metal, some have fiberglass. They experimented with putts that hit on center, off center, and they determined that 99.7% of the time you were better off taking the flag stick out. Ah, okay. Unequivocal. Here's the rationale. Jeff, even really good putters are only going to hit the flagstick about 28% of the time dead center. Yep. More often than not, it's going to be a glancing blow. The glancing blows hurt you. So if you are playing a pacey enough round to remove the flagstick, then you should be removing the flagstick as you go around and play your 18. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by the Dutch, the breakfast, the brunch, the Dutch. Get it all at BC's Best Breakfast. We're going to talk to Ricky Dollywall here, Canucks Insider, Friday regular on the free agency, the re-signing of Jules, and the decision on Ethan Bear, and what's to come. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, featuring Connor Garland, and more rumblings about the Nashville Predators. And Frank Corrado, who's usually a Thursday guy for us, but yesterday with the draft and having Aiden Celebrini on, We pushed Frankie here to today, and he has some thoughts. He's seen Tom Wheelander play. He's got an evaluation there. He's seen Hunter Bruskevich play, so he's got some thoughts there, uh, as well uh, on some of the free agent candidates for the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow and down the road. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers. Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. The Vancouver Canucks have thus far tried and failed to make trades, and that means they're on the free agent market, hoping to avoid overpaying and adding more anchor contracts that affect their future. They couldn't move Connor Garland or Brock Bessler in what was admittedly a soft 
is admittedly a soft winger market. It would appear that the NHL doesn't think much of bounce-back prospect candidates like Vasily Putkols and Niels Hoagland or Jack Rathbone. And management, likely at the behest of head coach Rick Tockett, didn't have the stomach to move JT Miller before his no-move clause triggers Saturday. So, with the cap space from the OEL buyout, the Canucks are needing to fill holes at third-line center and in the top four on defense. This is by no means a strong free agent class, but there are certainly candidates to improve the Canucks' current options at both positions. As GM Patrick Alvin said earlier, earlier this week, he's not going to spend money just to spend money and handcuff his flexibility in future years. That's a believe-it-when-we-see-it statement for Canucks fans. As Ilya Mikheyev last year in the entirety of the Jim Benning regime saw the Canucks spend on July 1st only to have some regrets thereafter. Now, JT Confer, Dmitry Orloff would be upgrades, but both rank amongst the best free agent options, and the law of economics applies here. No doubt the Canucks will add a body or two, but I suspect we'll also hear about, quote, internal improvement with a healthy Thatcher Demko and a full season from defenseman Philip Ronick cited as supporting evidence. And for some, better that than overspending tomorrow. That's welcome out for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows. On email, live at secureisonprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. Your local Great Clips is proudly Canadian-owned and operated. On Twitter, I'm at Sakaris at Price, and can't wait to get to Northlands Golf Course later this afternoon. Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Join the loyalty program. Price your next round could be free. Check out the patio upstairs overlooking the course on a beautiful day like today and get all the details at golfnorthlands.com. Jeff Patterson, I'm not sure if we ever were going to get a recasting of JT Miller on the trade market. I don't know that they tried with Pud Colson, Hoaglander, and Rathbone, but those are all players who I think are more valuable in the eyes of Canucks fans than they are in the eyes of NHL talent evaluators right now. And it's pretty clear that they didn't want to attach sweeteners or just give away Connor Garland or Brock Besser. Were there any opportunities missed here on the trade market? And do you anticipate that there could be some trades even beyond free agency here? Oh, I think the possibility still exists of trade activity. Uh, It just didn't happen on the draft floor the way that I think we thought, and not for the Canucks, I'm saying league-wide, which was a little bit of a surprise. There's usually one or two big deals that go down in and around the draft. Now, we've seen this in the past as well, where some of the groundwork is laid on the draft floor, and then the teams go their separate way. And this is a bit of an interesting year, just the the midweek draft and then free agency on a Saturday. So, you know, you wonder if teams take the intel uh, that they gathered at Bridgestone Arena back with them to their war rooms and maybe revisit, you know, let's see what happens on the first day. If teams are shut out and what they want to accomplish, maybe they've got uh, some conversations to fall back on. So I don't rule out the trade path, but I did expect that Patrick Alvini had that uh, sort of glut of mid-round picks. I kind of thought that he would package some, try and move back into the second round perhaps, or... Uh, failing that, maybe they would trade back and acquire more picks. Uh, none of that happened. They just used the seven picks that they rolled into town with. So, yeah, a little surprised mm-hmm. that there wasn't some activity. And sure, like I mean, we've followed the storyline. Uh, it's been front and center for the better part of the 18 months that Rutherford and Alvin have been here. They've been trying to move off Brock Besser and or Connor Garland. 
and it just hasn't happened in this economy. So uh, I don't think that that game plan goes away for the Vancouver Canucks, but I do think that they've probably reconciled uh, with this idea that they may have to start yet another year with those two players mm-hmm. on the roster and hope that they get off to good starts and boost their market. Yeah. And every day that goes by is you know a little closer to the end of uh, the term that's been the problem more than even the dollars. So, yeah, I, I don't rule out that there will be sort of a recircling back to uh, the trade path. But I think right now, uh, for the next 48 hours at least, they're going to be locked into the free agent market. The three prospects, Bud Colson, Hoaglander, Rathbone, do you think at this stage they just keep those guys too and much like Besser and Garland, hope they bounce back? I, I have no idea what, if any, market value Jack Rathbone would have at this stage of his career at 24, not established himself as an NHLer. I think there's interest in Nils Hoaglander, and I think the fact that there is interest in Nils Hoaglander should probably tell the Canucks that they should have some interest in Nils Hoaglander, and let's see how motivated he is uh, after his year spent on the farm last year. You know, he didn't get a chance to play for Rick Tockett, and we know Tockett likes guys that battle. Well, that's one thing Nils Hoaglander does. He doesn't have size, but competes hard. Uh, you know, can force turnovers, but we also know that the first two NHL coaches he played for both questioned his defensive acumen. And so um, I'd like and to see... And they have a ton of poor defensive wingers, so he's but an awkward I, fit here. I do want to see what a year in the minors will do for his growth and his motivation. And they just need Pud Colson. They, they, I don't want to move off Pud Colson yet. A top 10 pick not that long ago. Big body profiles differently than a lot of the guys that they've got and they just need to develop him and work with him and get him to be the player that they hoped he was when they drafted him 10th overall so of uh, all the he's got to have a good summer guys Besser may be at the top of the list but Pud Colson might be number two here yeah I would say sort of long-term projections if this team is going to support Patterson and Hughes with you know better players around them than Pud Colson an internal option, a 10th overall selection. They just can't mm-hmm. have another swing and miss with a top 10 pick. Cost control, too. Yeah. And remember, Hoaglander, two more games before he's... Yeah. waivers. Waiver exempt, uh, before he's waiver eligible. So when next he plays in the NHL, whether that's off the start of this coming season or later, he absolutely has to stick. Otherwise, you're talking about an even further diminished asset. Some price from Wall Center, presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. In today's Bodog poll question, we're asking which free agent is right for the Canucks. JT Confer, Matt Dumba, Ryan O'Reilly, Dimitri Orloff. You can vote at Some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and uh, sports odds. Mention this Lions game with Mizell, the running back, beat up a little bit. I think it's going to be in Vernon Adams' hands on the offensive side, so I'm going over 263.5 passing yards on your Bodog line of the day. Oh, Donnie's talking. He just never uh, shuts up. And I just sat back. I watched the show. 45 minutes in front of a mirror. I banged it. I, I got it. I, I bang on. <laughs> what, what I meant was I bang on. I got it. Okay. Here he is, one half of the team, Donnie and Dolly. Weekdays check television 10 to noon. Our Friday regular Canucks insider, the one and only Rick Dollywell. Gentlemen, lots to get to. Let's go. What um, 
what did the Ethan Bear decision come down to? Oh, well, uh, Matt, the moment he got injured and the moment that they said he's out six months with a shoulder injury, that was it. That's when the Canucks had to say, look, all the dynamics of him being an RFA have changed. They really did change that day because now he's not back uh, till December. There's always the possibility, Matt, of a setback, and now it's seven months, and then you got to go to Abbotsford for a couple of weeks. Just, you can't qualify him at 2-2 if he's possibly going to miss most of the year. Now, there's a lot of other things at play in the bear uh thing that a lot of people don't understand. First of all, his agent at Arbright's, he very easily could have executed the Arbright's. If he puts, if he puts the Arbright's into play, then you're looking at a contract for two, 2.5, 2.6 for Bear. So there was a lot more than just the injury, but the injury really made the Canucks think. They liked the player. They had a good long talk with the agent uh, today, and they explained everything. I've talked to the agent, Jason Davidson. He does become a UFA. Uh, it look. It wasn't supposed to be this way. I, I, I fully, they, they, a few weeks ago, they talked about a one-year deal, a two-year deal, a three-year deal. I believe the Canucks, after the injury, also made an offer uh, of a one-year deal after finding out that he's going to be, but I don't think it went anywhere. There's a lot of, you know, I don't think they wanted to go this way. That injury, guys, absolutely threw a wrench into everything. And I don't, it was supposed to be an easy qualifying offer. Maybe in an extension of two to three years, they had talked about it. Then he goes to the Worlds, he gets hurt, and just everything changed. Everything changed, guys. Everything changed. Well, and Travis Dermott, who uh, would have come in just under $2 million, was it health there? Was it performance-related a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right, uh, Matt. I, 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 I reported about a week ago that they weren't going to qualify Dermott. They didn't. Hiroshi... Obviously, in Hoglander, were obvious qualifying offers. Uh, Kratzoff, they just want to retain his rights for another three years. They'll let him do his thing in Russia. And if they, 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 they think there's a fit for Kratzoff in Vancouver in a year or two, they still own, own his rights. So that, that was a smart move. You never know. Uh, but uh, Dermot was, you, you nailed it. There was concussion issues, didn't play a lot, and they just felt it was time to move on. A couple of other house uh uh, cleaning uh, subjects for you guys. Noah Juleson, I reported this morning, two-year deal. Uh, Noah is going to be 775 at the NHL level, and then he's going to be 450 in the minors. Really good deal. Canucks like him. little surprised it took so long to get Noah Juleson done, but they got him done. Kyle Burrows is a UFA. If they don't get something done by 9 o'clock, I checked in on Burrows this morning. Very quiet. Very quiet. The Canucks made him an offer 10 days ago since that offer. Very, very, very few talks. I, I just... I'm. Uh, blown away since they made the offer. There hasn't been anything, but I'm talking as of now. They might sign him this afternoon. I don't know. But as of right now, when I checked in, very quiet on Burroughs. In fact, it's been quiet for 10 days. Um, we should find out today if the Canucks are going to sign Abbotsford uh, forward Tristan Nielsen, Fort St. John native, 23 years old, 41 points, impressive in the playoffs, good young kid. That is still up in the air, as I was told about an hour ago. So we'll monitor uh, Tristan Nielsen. Colin Delhi is going to hit the free agent market tomorrow. Um, so the Canucks are going to probably go out and get a goaltender. One name to keep an eye on is David Riddich. 21 games of Winnipeg last year. I'm not going to say they're going to sign him, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, don't be surprised if they poke around there. So uh, that's Big it. Save Dave, as he was known once upon a time, until he was no save Dave. <laughs> Yeah, no save, David, in Calgary. And then he, what, what did he have in Winnipeg last year? 21 games. 
Hey, Ricky, just back to Ethan Bear for a quick sec. Do you get a sense from the agent that the door is completely shut on the Vancouver Canucks? Or is there going to be interest in a guy that is going to require six months of rehab? Like, what's the next step? Like, Will there be a market for Ethan Bear, even though he's on the shelf right now? Yeah, yeah. look, I, I just talked to the agent. He's going to become a UFA. Um, look, the motivation, Jeff, to sign... A, a player who is out till December is not high. Ethan Bears now got to wait till November, uh, start poking around when he gets close, and start monitoring which teams are looking for defensive help. But I mean, if you're a, if if you're running a team right now, Jeff, are you going to sign a guy that is got a shoulder injury till December? He's a UFA, and they got to go now, and they got to you know wait and rehab and and hopefully in November and December strike a deal with someone. I th- I think that's well, no, but that's why I mean like I, I think it's a fascinating situation. If there's a team out there that believes in this guy and it's got cap space, like maybe you could just offer him a, a deal and kind of park him for a while, knowing that when he gets healthy. So I, it's going to be fascinating to me to yeah. see how this all plays out. It's also going to be fascinating to see. Have you heard anything about OEL and where he might uh, wind uh, up now that uh, he's a free man? Well, Kevin Epp was. Uh, uh, on our station, uh, and he said 10 teams he was negotiating with. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's going to sign somewhere. Um, and he also said teams on uh, cup contenders are calling OEL as well because he's dirt cheap. And if he can still give you 16 to 18 minutes a night, why not? You know, why not? And, you know, if he can give you a quality 16, 18 minutes on a, on a low on a low deal, uh, I think OEL is going to be attractive to a lot of teams. And uh, last time I checked in with App, uh, there's a lot of a lot of interest there. Susie and Cole, how sure are we that they'll be Vancouver Canucks after this weekend? Because there's a lot of smoke there. Oh, boy. I was uh, the first to tell you about Susie and Cole in this market. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Canucks will be looking for help on the PK when they go shopping tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Susie and Cole. uh, Cole's a PK specialist. I'm expecting uh, the Canucks to be in on both players big tomorrow. Um, The way... I'm expecting two, three-year deals around $3 million is what I'm hearing. You know, is is just the, the, the scuttlebutt out there. But they actually played together in Minnesota, if you can believe it, in uh, 2020, Susie and Cole. Cole's got a, a relationship with the regime here. Uh, you know, he won two cups with Tockett in Pittsburgh, Rutherford, Elvine. Uh, Susie's just a, he's a big defenseman, you know. And, and when you look at uh, Rick Tockett and his desire to get bigger, uh, Susie fits that bill, and I think that Susie played in Seattle. He's a Viking Alberta kid. Uh, Vancouver makes a lot of sense for him, so uh, definitely he's on my radar tomorrow. I, I dropped his name for a reason, guys. Uh, Susie and Cole, keep an eye on both those guys yeah. tomorrow. Uh, Cole is interesting, and just to follow up here, you may know the context, because he went from being nearly a 20-minute-per-night defenseman in Colorado to being a 17-and-a-half-minute guy, to being a just-under 16-minute guy in Colorado slash Minnesota. Then he goes to Carolina, he gets back up to 17 minutes, and then he played 19-and-a-half minutes a night for Tampa Bay last year. Vancouver would be his eighth organization yep. in the NHL. Do you know why he's bounced around so much, and, and what accounts for the upswing in ice time last uh, last year? No idea Tampa why. Bay, he's, Ricky. Yeah, no idea why he's bounced around. But the point is this, and 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 Jeff made a good point in his article this week. Cole is a power. Penalty killing specialist led all Tampa Bay score skaters in shorthanded ice time. Look, the big thing for me. Uh, look, guys, 
uh, Rutherford, Alvin, and Tockett have a relationship. We want two cups with him. I don't care if he's been on eight teams in the past. This regime likes this guy. They, they got a history with him. Um, so obviously, that is why you're hearing uh, yeah. pull a lot. It's I don't. I have no idea. I don't monitor the player or follow him. But I do know that this regime has got a history with him. And do you have any sense of uh, the term or the money on Cole? I just told you two to three years, uh, around three million or a little higher than three is what I'm hearing. And so, Susie. I, I, both of them, they, they both fall in the same okay. category for me. Uh, okay. I, and I'm just spitballing. Don't go and, uh, oh, and uh, send out a big uh, dolly wall. No. two, three no. years, three million. You ask me, my gut feeling tells me two, three years, around three million plus uh, for both. Okay. If if they end up in Vancouver, if and, both and I do le- think Matt, that, left Matt the, yeah, they're both left shot. But I do think the fact that uh, er, Ian Cole on a team that had Hedman and Sergachev, yeah. uh, he and Eric Chernak were the top pairing defensively oh. on the penalty kill. And so that's certainly going to uh, you know, push the ice time up in that regard. And also keep in mind that uh, Ian Cole plays both sides um, and equally well. So he is a guy that is durable and he's a guy that can play both sides. So that is very important uh, thing to keep in mind. He plays both sides and equally well. So that certainly would address... Some needs on the back end, but neither of those guys plays third-line center, I don't think. Uh, They're not that versatile. He might play both sides on defense, but he's not a third-line center either. So what are we thinking? What are we hearing? Uh, Is it the same cast of characters, uh, names that have been out there a little bit? uh, Have you heard Pius Suter linked to the Canucks, Rick? That's a name that's been kicked around. Nick Bukestad, another one. Let me uh, get into my list here. Uh, Okay, so let me start here. Uh, Miles Wood was given permission uh, to, by the Devils to talk to teams. The Canucks have checked in on Miles Wood. He's New Jersey. Um, so when you look at centers, let's go to the first two high-end guys, JT Comfer and Ryan O'Reilly, right? I, I believe Canucks will check in on both tomorrow to see what the price tag is. Obviously, uh, O'Reilly, yes, there's interest from Vancouver. He's a Rick Tocca type guy, but they don't have the cap space to go after O'Reilly. But we're hearing a lot of Tyler Myers' name last uh, 24 hours, possibly moving. Canucks are trying to move him to create cap space so they could possibly go after uh, JT Confer or Ryan O'Reilly. I talked to JP or texting with JP Barry this morning, uh, and JP told me he hasn't heard anything yet when it comes to Myers. But certainly that's a name out there that the Canucks are trying to actively move in hopes of getting uh, some uh, more cap space to play with. Teddy Bluger is a guy I expect them to look in on. Uh, Nick Bustad is. Um, Jason Zucker is another guy. All all ties to this regime. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, some people asked me to look into. I checked into Bertuzzi this morning. I I don't get the sense the Canucks have uh, actively shown interest yet. I was told uh, it yet, okay? So uh, th- there's a lot of names out there. You can you can think about all these guys, but, you know, it's also going to require cap space and money. One thing free yeah. agents and their agents look for, and let's be honest, is term. Term is going to be big tomorrow, right? And a lot of the agents are going to sway their players to where there is term. Term is tough. Money's tough because the cap didn't go up. It only went up by a million. Um, you know, the, the, what's his name in Minnesota, the GM? He had a, Bill Guerin had a great quote yesterday. He said, the cap only went up by a million, but the agents are acting like it went up by 10 million. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, cap. Agents love July 1st. They, get, yeah. they love playing teams off against each other. So, you know what? If the Canucks. And agents love you, Ricky. They love you. 
They love me, but I also uh, piss a few off to get mad, and then I got to go, uh, you know, fix that. But listen, now they got Ethan Bear's uh, money to play with too, right? So you yeah. add it to the six. So now the Canucks are at eight. Now they got a little bit more flexibility. And if you're thinking JT Comfer and Ryan O'Reilly, now the Canucks just opened up. And also, don't forget Dermot's money today. Canucks just mm-hmm. opened up a little bit more money to go shopping tomorrow at 9 a.m. So yep, they sure did. Let's hope. I sure hope they're not going to pay San Jose to take Tyler Myers to open up more money. I have, like, I, I uh, have I, no. I, I have no idea. I just know that that, uh, that his name's out there, and if they, yeah. uh, you know, that would be a boon. Money-wise, if they get... Uh, oh, for sure, uh, for well, sure. But uh, I mean, me somebody get... taking that on with the bonus spending in September uh, well, that you know, was a much bonus. different equation than somebody taking that on after the bonus is paid yeah. in September. So Okay, so let me get this one in. Uh, Cal Foote's name came up in the last 48 hours. Uh, mm-hmm. Nashville's not going to qualify him. His father, Adam, is an assistant coach with the Canucks. I checked in to see if the Canucks would have interest and was told this will not be a fit with Cal Foote. Having a player with a dad on the coaching staff is always an awkward situation. Uh, you, su- yep. you see it now, guys? Like, in junior hockey all the time. You see parents are buying junior A, junior B teams, and they're putting their kids in the most un, most unbelievably mm-hmm. awkward situation in tough spots. I, I, I personally have seen this with my own eyes of, of dads buying junior A, junior B teams. Everybody knows the kid in the dressing room, the dad owns a team. It puts the kid in a tough spot. I was just told that uh, Calfoot is not going to happen in Vancouver. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, it makes it really awkward uh, when a kid is in a dressing room and the dad is either the coach, the GM, or the owner. It always puts the kid in a very, 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 very tough spot. Yep. He's in, in, honestly, guys. Well, it puts the whole room in a tough spot because they wonder if we spot. say the wrong thing yeah. in front of so-and-so, does it get back to yeah, and, so. You know, especially if the kid is, is not a rock star and a great player. Because mm-hmm. if the kid is a great player, that eliminates a lot of the problems in the dressing room. But if the kid is a borderline player and your dad bought the team, that's when it yeah. gets crazy. And a lot of these dads are buying teams because their kids are borderline players. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's yeah. A, that, at that level. I mean, we've seen that in the CFL even yeah. with the Calgary Stampeders. That's we it. haven't yet seen that with because the NHL. if your kid's a really good player, you're not buying a team. Let's 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 call a spade a spade. But it is what No, exactly. You're living off your kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well. Uh, Ricky, we got to run, but um, ah. oh, okay. we're going to join you. We're we're gonna join you. Uh, you're gonna join us Wednesday of next week, just so everyone is aware. Uh, we'll uh, have a show tomorrow on Saturday. No show Monday, and then Ricky will be a part of our show on Wednesday. Yeah. This whole free agent thing on Saturday that messes with your Friday night, though. No, 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 no. The crown's going down good tonight. Um, okay, it's that's not going to stop me. <laughs> Multitasking. Uh, okay. Well, All right. Second, free agency starts at nine, so I got ample time to get up and get ready for it. Don't worry. That's I'll right. My, yeah, I know uh, you're an early riser. Absolutely. You, my, walk that, you pace that cul-de-sac. You watch your language in front of the Whittingham home, and we'll catch you on Wednesday. Thanks I'll for be this, up. Rick. Coffee, Donnie Dolly uh, mug. I'll be uh, starting to call the agents. Text them at six a.m. tomorrow and nine o'clock. Let's go. Let's have some fun tomorrow. Garrison Price from Wall Center presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter. They're brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. Jason recently got a Garrison Price listener who's thinking of buying approved 
Locked into the rate for four months. Soon thereafter, rates increased to 2.5%. Jason saved the money. And hey, if rates go down, you can always readjust. Jason will tend to the details. Find him at jason.mortgage. This one's a little bit of a visual. I retweeted it off my account. It's from Jeremy Watt at JWWattBC. <laughs> I guess Capilano Golf Club has acquired a new member, and then he's got the uh, laughing emoji. Now, Cap Golf Club up in the hills in West Van. This, I'm sure, bears are on the property fairly frequently. This one, Matt, is in the clubhouse going mm-hmm. to town. On they've got like jars of cereal. It looks like it's a self serve bar at Cap. Is yes. my understanding and for the members? And a big ass black bear <laughs> just having the time of his life. So I'll have to get the back end of the story somewhere. About how like, whose job? That's not the pro shop. You don't no, call the pro shop or no. the, the greenskeeper there. Shout out to Jamie Switzer, Mike Allen, some of our friends who are members yeah. there at Capilano. <laughs> We've got some cleaning up to do in the clubhouse after that. It's funny. I, I was talking to uh, – uh, I have a friend who's moved here from England in the last year and a half, and he went hiking the other day and said, I saw my first bear. And I said, oh, on the trail? He goes, no, just on the road. And I'm like, yeah, in BC, I'm not sure it counts yeah. unless you're on foot. <laughs> At A&R Hockey Stats, Andy and Roto, they're an analytics feed from Europe. By the way, we're still waiting which team will acquire Connor Garland for just a late-round pick. He had a bit worse year this season than last, but he's still definitely a second-line winger at worst in our eyes. Still only 27 years old and has a cap hit under $5 million. This account and a lot of the analytics accounts, Jeff, are a lot kinder to Connor Garland than I think some of the eyeball analysis here in this market. What do you think? We've gone through the draft here. I mean, I don't think they want to attach a sweetener to get rid of the Connor Garland contract, and I'm not necessarily sure I would support that. Do you, would you give Garland away just to clear cap space? And what do you think the plans are for Garland at this point now? Yeah, because he seems to be the guy they want to trade, right? And I think they've tried hard, and it hasn't happened. And I guess in my mind, I've sort of reconciled the fact that he's going to be here to start training camp, and we'll see. They've got this glut of wingers, and where he slots in, and what role. Uh, we know that Rick Tockett likes size and and the board battles, and yet Connor Garland broke into the NHL under Rick Tockett down in Arizona, so there's some familiarity there. You know, he had 17 goals last year. Remember, though, he had the hat-trick in Game 82 that kind of bumped the total yes, on the final night of the regular season. So uh, he's a unique player. We know that. I'm not sure that he's found his fit here in terms of stylistically and, and chemistry. I don't think he fits with their other offensive players, with which is a complicating factor. And, yeah. and Jeff, while I wouldn't necessarily in free agency go out and spend nearly $5 million on a third-line winger, he's still a pretty good mucker. I still think he could have some utility for them. And if the worst-case scenario is there, he's there on the third-line supplementing and supporting a new third-line center, that's something I can get behind more so than paying to get the player off your team or even accepting little or no return. Uh, Some news out of the NBA. This is from Andrew Marchand, the media writer at the New York Post, at Andrew Marchand. ESPN has let go its top NBA game analyst, Jeff Van Gundy, the Post has learned. So, and it goes deeper than that, Jeff. Jalen Rose as well. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson and Max Kellerman 
apparently Steve Young and Susie Kolber. So the bloodletting has commenced. We knew these layoffs were coming with Disney. We knew they were going to affect public-facing ESPN personalities and, in some cases, legacy personalities. Chris Chelios is one. Yeah. I believe that was already Out known there, yes. because I believe it was an expiring contract it's in Chelios. It's almost like there's case. not security in the media <laughs> biz, Matt. At Puck Report NHL, LeBrun reports it's believed Preds offered up Yaroslav Askarov to the San Jose Sharks and Go Habs Go, Montreal, as part of bigger packages wow. for picks number four and number five, but no go. Some real, this is textured in a couple of ways. Number one, there was a lot of smoke around UC Soros before last week. Then Barry Trotz, the new GM, comes out and says, we're not trading Soros, which led others to believe, wow, are they going to trade the superstar goalie prospect Askarov? And it sounds like he's available. I know you had talked about Nashville as a potential trading spot with the Canucks, Jeff, from 11 down to number 15. And our Cam Robinson yesterday told us he thought there might have been something available there for Vancouver with Barry Trotz and the Preds. But Nashville didn't necessarily get the work done that people thought they would get at their home draft. I'm not sure Matthew Wood and moving up in the second round is splash enough for Barry. So I suspect they will be one of the big teams to watch this weekend and as the summer goes along. I do wonder if some of that was deferring to David Poyle and his swan song in some way. I mean, it kind of felt as that draft unfolded like this was David Poyle's big moment, the standing ovation, the Devils. Love that move. Tom Fitzgerald basically giving him a draft pick to make one last uh, pick at the microphone. So I don't know. Who knows what? You're right, though. I expected a little bit more in the flash. I mean, I expected more across the board, but I thought that Nashville would be a flashpoint team in that draft. Askarov himself was was he the 11th overall pick in his draft not long ago. So, you know, that's interesting that he was in play, but I mean San Jose, we know that they've struggled to find goaltenders. Gave away Aiden Hill. Whoops. Um, you know, in Montreal, who knows what direction they're planning big picture. So, you know, I, I think that that's a piece that would have intrigued both of those teams, but uh, ultimately didn't come to be. Uh, just putting a bow on the draft. This is from BC Hockey at BC Hockey Source, the provincial hockey uh, body here in British Columbia. Congrats to all 20 BC Hockey products that had their names called at the NHL draft. Great work, boys. Yeah. Now for the next goal, sign those ELCs. So 20 BC hockey products drafted. Yeah. It's been a very good um, couple of years here, last little while for BC hockey players. And of course, it's going to continue yeah. next year with Macklin Celebrini at the top of the NHL entry draft. One of the things, and um, we've talked about this over the years, one of the things that has really flipped in our province's favor is because the lower mainland and the island don't tend to get a lot of cold temperatures and thus don't have that naturally frozen ice that allows kids to go out and skate and play some shinny pond hockey on their own. You know, for a while there, BC was a little bit disadvantaged in comparison to other provinces. Well, what's happened with climate change is that a lot of those natural ice sheets (laughs) have not frozen over. You know, as David Suzuki once told me, Walter was raising Wayne in Brantford, Ontario today. There would be no famous backyard (laughs) rink. Um, And one of the things that BC had to do was build facilities. And, And Jeff, I can tell you, when I moved here 16 years ago, 
I was stunned at the quality of facilities for amateur athletes, up-and-coming youth athletes in this province in comparison to others. So I suspect that uh, BC will continue to churn out a good number of hockey players. And boy, how about the quality here with Bedard and now Celebrini going back-to-back, not to mention Benson, Wood, and, and others. Lastly from me, a lot of people seemed interested in the sheer size of the players drafted by the Arizona yes. Coyotes. They did not take a player under six feet. Their draft picks in order, height, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'1", 6'2", 6'6", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 6'2", 6'4", 
it's a well-rounded player that the Canucks lack on the back end. And, and I, I think it could be, it could be a great fit in, in it kind of fits with the theme of, of what they went for, even with their second pick like that. That's another player uh, with Brustevich that, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more, but like just not a master of anything, but a Jack of all trades kind of guy. And so there, you know, you can sense a theme, like they're definitely trying to build some stability on the back end from within. You're right. Not not necessarily uh, masters of a skill, but they seem more than capable skaters. Both of these guys. Again, we're not talking Quinn Hughes edge work or Kale McCarr speed or anything like that. But they do seem like pretty good skaters, Frank. Well, and, and this is how I would put it to you. So I'm sure you watched the the, the draft last night and you saw some of the clips of Willander. Uh, you know, spinning off guys behind the net, getting up in the play. I thought there was a really good clip of some of the blue line work that he does. And I think it's great that he shows that at the, at, you know, they call it in Sweden, the J20, but it's the under 20 level. So the equivalent of CHL hockey, like, I think that's great that he does that there. And he should continue that when he moves up and, and plays against the men more often. Uh, but it, when it comes down to the skating, like really one of the big areas is like how quick can you close your gap in the neutral zone and take a nice angle and use your stick and force someone into a corner and then kind of get your body through their arms and kill the play, right? So like that's that's the defensive kind of footwork that a lot of teams are looking for. And I think both guys do a really good job of that. Um, so I would be very encouraged. Like I'd be very encouraged by the fact that the team address the need. Like I know sometimes that gets you in trouble. Like if you're picking in the top five and you're like, I'm going to go for a need instead of best player available. I think you're playing with fire, but I think where the Canucks were picking at 11, um, you know, to step up and take a defenseman that you think can help you rather than taking a winger, just because you think there's a lot of upside there. I, I think it was a, it was a good pick. And, and, you know, their second pick of the draft is another defenseman who plays a steady kind of game, uh, does everything pretty well, skates really well. Like they, they've addressed needs and, and, you know, we seem to talk about it when all the good teams go out deep into the finals. Oh, they develop those players from within. They develop those top four defensemen from within. Very difficult to go out and acquire those guys. So you, you, you give yourself an opportunity to do that here with a couple right-handed defensemen. Remember the uh, Islanders drafting an entire class yes. of defensemen a few Islanders years back? One year. Um, yeah. So you're not going to be haunted by Zach Benson, it doesn't sound like, huh? I, I'm not going to – listen, I think – Zach Benson is an incredible talent. I think he's going to do great things. I, I was watching him get picked by Buffalo last night, and I'm thinking, man, we are going to see that guy dish into Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson, and it's going to be on a lot of highlight reels, and it's going to look really cool. I, I don't think they're going to be haunted by it, as long as Will Ender turns into a top-four defenseman, as long as Brustevich turns into a guy who can play uh, you know, a, a fairly long NHL career and give you a capable minutes so if Benson turns into a star which hey he very well could uh and Willander turns into a star it's all good it's just you don't want Benson to be a kid like like Mitch Marner putting up 95 points and you're like man we have a you know there, there's a defenseman that played for Vancouver a few years back young Finnish kid I don't want to drag him into the mud but we have another situation <laughs> like that on our hands like that's what you want to avoid what do you make of Willander going to Boston University a rare path for a young Swedish player it is, and it's becoming it's becoming more and more popular. 
for for a lot of the Swedes. I, I think, well, first of all, they speak English very well, so that opens the door for for them to to do that. Uh, the first player that I remember doing that was Victor Stahlberg, where he was a Swedish player, and he went to the University of Vermont. Uh, there was another player. He plays up in Luleå. And he's been the captain there for a long time. It's Eric Gustafson, I believe. Different Eric Gustafson, the one that played for the Leafs. Uh, he played for Philadelphia. He went over. He did the college route. So it has been something that the Swedes have been doing a little more. I just think it's a nice way to get you into the North American game without having to play in the CHL. Like, like I would say, like, college hockey, it's different than CHL hockey. There's less games, but you are playing against older guys. It's really physical. It's chippy. It's competitive. Um, I'm not going to say it's not as watered down, like that's not fair to the CHL, but it, it is just different. It, it preps you for professional hockey in a different kind of way. The fourth line's better at college than it is in the CHL. Right? Exactly. And the yeah. fourth line, and, and that's a great point. And the fourth line is probably a little more reminiscent of what a professional hockey fourth line is going to be like. I think sometimes on CHL teams, your fourth line is going to be stocked with uh, your 16-year-old who's not right. quite strong enough and, you know, kid that plays eight minutes a night that just got called up from junior A or junior B, right, on, on a lot of these teams. So it, it's a nice route. And I know from my year in Sweden, um, there was a little more demand starting to build for some of these players. If they didn't want to play in the SHL for, for any longer, it was like, yeah, let's, let's try and get over and, and go to the NCAA. It's a great way to prepare. And, Frank, what we love about it is – Kid admitted he's got to get stronger. You're going to spend a lot of time in the weight room playing NCAA hockey. Kid admitted he's got to get more offensive opportunity, and he's probably getting more of it at Boston U than in the Swedish League, right, with all the men. Yes. And then thirdly, and you can speak to this, because I, I know every time scouts go out to look at European defensemen, they have to be able to project how the kid is going to handle a vicious forecheck on the small NHL ice. Vicious. And he, and he's going to get an opportunity to learn what that is, just not against AHL and NHL guys who are looking to put him into row C of the stands. I, I, I think it's hilarious. So, like, my first couple of years in professional hockey, I don't know why we get caught up in this, but anything we do, it's like the junior guys versus the college guys, right? And even if it's something, like, as silly as playing beer pong on a Saturday night after – sweep in the weekend because that's when we would be doing that not if we lost any games but <laughs> you know it's like th then you, you get into it and then it's like well you know in college we you know we actually forecheck and it's like that always comes up it's like alarm bells are going off and these guys are trying to run you through the end wall with cages on and it's like yeah i I can't argue that. Like, it's not like that in the CHL. It's more like guys want to grab their cookies so their agent is happy and their parents are happy and everyone leaves the rink feeling pretty good. Uh, so it is a good point uh, in that regard. But I, I think I think part of it, like going in the NCAA route, they work out a lot in Sweden. They really do. It's part of their whole regiment. They don't play back-to-back -back games. It's like a 50-something game season. It was 52 when I was there. It might have gone up to 56 now, but it's in that ballpark. Um but the way they train in college hockey, like that's how you make real gains as an athlete. Like they, they really put a lot into their sports science departments and, and making sure players are lifting enough during the season. And you see a lot of guys like make significant gains from year one to year three or four, however long you want to stay at school. So I think that's a big component of it as well. And the, the one other point you made was, was very true. Like you want to play for Rogla in the Swedish Hockey League you better be ready to take a job 
from a 28, 30-year-old import from North America who is going to play on the power play and is going to give the team a chance to win a championship. And you at, you know, 18, 19 years old, you're not there yet. You're not ready to do that. So what are you going to play limited minutes on, on the men's team? Or are you going to go back to play under 20 where it's not the best competition for you because you're, you've probably passed that point in your development? So I think it is a, a great opportunity for him to get those offensive minutes, which is something I'm sure he wants to improve on because he's not known as a super offensive guy. He's, you know, he, we've talked about it. He's a well-rounded guy. But, um, you know, you want to take the next step to the NHL. There's one thing I know. You, you want to get to the next step. Like, you have to put up points in the minors. Like, it, you just do. Whether you're going to be an offensive guy or not, like, look at defensemen that make the jump. It's like there was a really, really good AHL season, and then that was followed by – NHL time and then hopefully you stick around like it, it just it's it's kind of a non-negotiable what do you make of Aiden Celebrini's selection in the sixth round that name um obviously has got some pedigree to it dad played pro soccer brother's gonna be number one overall maybe next year um but I love the fact that he's going with his brother and Wheelander to Boston University I mean he should be absolutely motivated beyond belief to keep up with the Joneses there. Keep up with his brother, keep up with Wheelander, who's in the same organization. I mean, the the Canucks, hey, they might have fallen into that to some degree, the fact that he's – or maybe they thought it all through and say, this kid is going to have everything to play for over the next couple of seasons. To me, it's a pretty cagey uh, selection, despite his stats being just fine so far up to junior A. I would I would agree with that. And I would say that when you are picking these players, you are trying to make projections, right? Like you, you want to know that, okay, there's been some development and we've seen some growth. Like what does that look like in two, three, four years? And when a player is going the collegiate route, it does buy you a little more time because if you're you know a CHL player, basically you have two years to sign a deal. If you're a collegiate player, you're going to have four years to sign that deal. Like it's a it's it's very significant for those players to get an extra two years, and the fact that he is going to have two potential future teammates with him, I think helps things, and it also helps like the player development staff for Vancouver. Like I know when I was going through the process, Dave Babich would come up to Sudbury, and he'd just be working with me, and he would say, you know, if there's anyone kind of on your team that wants to get out on the ice and and you know make some passes, take some shots, all that kind of stuff, feel free to invite them out. Well, now, like, you have a player development staff member who can go out there and work with all three guys, right? Like, I think that's significant to just hammer home, hey, this is what we're doing back home with Pedersen, and we're doing it with Hughes, and we're doing it with all these guys. And it's like, now you're getting exposed to that, and we're going to make monthly visits, and we're all going to work on this stuff together. Like, it, it is a nice – it's nice to have three players like that playing on the same team and even just internally within the guys, right? Like you see, you know, one guy have a great night or have a great weekend that pushes you a little bit more to, you know, to push your best to, to, to try and match that. I know everyone's built a little differently, but I, I think it would be cool. And I'm just assuming that, uh, did I just assume that Macklin Celebrini would be a Canuck? I, I didn't mean, well, to he's undrafted that. next year. He's yeah, undrafted. I, so he can I, come out and, you know, and skate with them. Yeah. Uh, I, I you know. heard. Yeah. As you know, maybe, maybe he'll say like, I, you know, I'm going to the KHL. I won't report unless the Canucks, you know, pull the old, pull the old London Knights. Hey, I, I'm only hey, going hey, if the Knights pick me. 
Yeah. They're a season-ending Quinn Hughes injury away uh, from potentially <laughs> yeah, right. getting Macklin yeah. celebrating. Okay, buddy, uh, TSN free agent frenzy on Saturday, which I know you're going to be a part of. You know, a Saturday Canada day. Gosh, yeah. this league, man. <laughs> Way to ruin a long um, weekend. Thanks, guys. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I know you've been looking into it a little bit. Um, Canucks have been linked to Carson Soucy. Tell us a little bit about the player, and then um, maybe help us out on what you think you're projecting he might get in free agency term and money there. I, I like him as a player. I don't think the numbers are going to overwhelm you when you look at, you know, you always look at comparables, right? And that really comes down to points per game, games played, if you want to, you know, try for goals, assists, all that kind of stuff. So those aren't going to blow you away. But I will say this, like top four defensemen are made up of a couple different things. Like you need your puck mover for sure. You also need guys in the top four that can play against heavy players, good players, guys who are good in tight spaces, like that kind of stuff. So having a guy like Carson Soucy, I would like to have that kind of player just based on the fact that I know I can trust him. I know I can put him out against anyone. He's not a liability with the puck. And there's a little bit of offense there as far as what it looks like. So we've been kind of trying to crunch numbers here. And one of the things we're going to do this Saturday that I think is really cool is we're going to have our, our top 50 list and then we're going to have projected AAVs for, for all our, our top 50. And so basically what we've done is we've used AFP analytics. We're using evolving hockey and then, you know, basically getting into cap friendly and trying to see, okay, what's the comparable on these numbers based on contracts that were signed last year, the year before, all that kind of stuff. So for Carson Soucy, like I think the projected number was around two and a half from the analytics side of things. Based on that and the comparables, like I was thinking it's going to be just under three million, but I absolutely would not be surprised if it's into the mid threes, just based on and that number, like our my projected number might change as of tonight because I'm going to you know rethink it, uh, but basically. I think that kind of player is in demand right now. I think we saw at the draft how much teams value size, uh, length, reach. You know, we saw it in the first round with Minnesota's pick. Like, that's a big, big boy they picked early on. Um, and, you know, Carson Soucy, he kind of checks a lot of those boxes. Like, he's big, he's strong, he can move pretty well. He's not a liability with the puck. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are in the market for that kind of defenseman, and that could drive up the price. Ten goals is probably that liar, though, right? Ten, oh, he's going to brag about go wingspan. Ahead, We've ahead, done this ahead. enough Ten, times. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Ten goals probably not liar for him, though. Huh? I, 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 do you think Let, he can do that? Yeah, I, I, I think he's a very good player. I don't think ten goals becomes a regular occurrence, but no. you know, is seven goal like you know you yeah, would sign off on year. that? You got yeah. six this year, yeah, yeah. Sign off on that any day of the week. I thought he had three this year. I thought he had six after oh. ten last year. Yeah. Okay. You know, we'll look into it. I okay. You know, I, I'm not a math guy. You know, or maybe that's a, a projection. More of a heart and soul. More of a heart <laughs> and soul guy. But I loved. Uh, <laughs> you saw how teams valued size and length, reach, as you put it. Yeah. You, you do me a favor, Frankie. Feel free to mute him. W- when you see button on Saturday. Okay. Drop a wingspan on him. Oh my gosh! All right, all right. Is it, how do you want me to approach this? Just well, ask him his so wingspan. Here's the background. Like eight years ago or so, 
We're having Craig on the show. We're talking about gra- draft prospects. I say to him, Craig, I, I see they're measuring wingspan in the NFL and NBA a lot. And, you know, bringing that into the draft evaluations, and we were coming off a Stanley Cup final where you just couldn't get around Zdeno Chara, right, because of how big he is. Yeah. What do you think of wingspan as a draft trait uh, to put some weight into? And him and Price laughed me out of the studio, Frank Correa. Oh. I don't think Craig right. did. I think Craig agreed with you. I laughed you out of the studio, but that's a regular <laughs> occurrence. And here's the, here's the worst part so, of this whole conversation, Frank. He was right about wingspan becoming a thing. He was also right. Three goals for Carson Soucy. So I'm done here. Uh, stand your ground, Matt. You stand thank you, your ground, Frank buddy. Carrado. There's a reason you're a weekly guest on this show. You're absolutely bow out now. Thank you, Blake. Yes, class dismissed, Blake. Frankie, thanks for this. Enjoy your Canada Day weekend, free agent frenzy, and we'll catch up next week, my man. So here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group, and you can text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox, Great Clips. It's going to be great. Thank you. Here's an omissions from Thursday's program. It's a uh, significant list here, Grady Sass. Long as I'm not on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did not actually... Uh, we, we said Matthew Wood... Of Nanaimo was selected by, and then I finished, didn't finish the sentence, and Blake jumped in, and we just sort of moved on. Matthew Wood went to Nashville with the fifth overall pick. Uh, the Canucks third round pick, last name pronounced Minio, not Manayo, and we all made that. Ms. Sawyer is the first name, defenseman from the Seattle. Thunderbirds. Cam Luke's kid? Yeah, so we all made um we all made that mistake. Uh Blake talked uh talked about Justin Thomas on Golf Report and said uh when he tees off at the Rocket Mortgage, or is he teeing off? He is teed off at the Rocket Mortgage. He's in fact through both his opening rounds and is a uh, pretty hideous plus four with a seventy six in the opening round. And so he's teed off and Peed off. Yeah. Well, he, Blake did an item about how his wife, you know, sent him a text. Well, it worked saying. for Nick Taylor. At, uh, remember after the first round of the Canadian <laughs> Open, settled in. Uh, yeah, it's uh, JT's going through a funk. Yeah, no, no, he no, no, is. Yeah, he is. Um, and, and most good players do. In fact, like the only one that I know who didn't really funk was Tiger. Um, and then lastly, shout out to um, Bob on Twitter who replied to an item, a welcome ad, if I'm not mistaken, about third-line centers and said, did you talk about Michael McLeod with the New Jersey Devils? Um, no, it omitted Michael McLeod. Could, certainly could have put him and should have put him in the piece. The thing about Michael McLeod, and Blake outlined this, I want to say last week or a couple of weeks ago, there are certain members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team mm-hmm. who are still under some degree of investigation or suspicion. Alex Formanton, the winger with the Ottawa Senators last year, went through the entirety of the summer as an RFA, did not get a contract, and went and played in Europe. So you know how hockey handle these handles these matters. 
typically without a lot of fanfare. Anyways, one of the things that we've been told is that McLeod is one of the players that that GMs in the league have questions about with regards to the 2018 World Junior Team. That's Ethan O's. Oh, I got one. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> not done and yet. And it involves oh. math. Oh, God. And I don't know if you guys saw my tweet this morning. I had the numbers mixed around on JT Miller. So, oh. you know, I need to further investigate this. But Sean took issue with uh, Blake yesterday talking about Tanner Pearson and the LTIR money. Right. And he was saying Pearson comes back, drops the cap to three million. It's just not true. Check out cap friendly. Pearson knocks off three million from the projected 12.1. Therefore, nine million in cap space, not three. Well, that's if he's on LTIR, which we don't know yet and could very well complicate things like Jeff. I had this thought the other day, like what if Pearson shows up to camp and he's like, no, I'm playing. You know, you're not, I'm good to go. And the Canucks accounted for LTIR. Like, they must have these scenarios worked out, but. Sure, but also he doesn't get to make that call. Right. He's got to pass the physical. Yeah, yes. let's let's say he does, well, though. And, and the other thing, if push comes to shove and he's healthy and the Canucks are like, well, we can't get count for, for you uh, with our season opening cat, cap, they can also send him to the minors and bury all but the, what is it, 1.12 1. million yeah. of yeah, the that, that would be pretty. You know, almost ruthless oh, in a sense, given the be, medical situation and NHLPA hey, involved. You know, it's a business, though. Take a look at Ethan Bear, ruthless. But it's also not out of the question that this guy hasn't played since he might need some games in the minors, quite honestly. Right. Like, Conditioning well, that's what I said to Blake yesterday. The, the guy is, I mean, I suppose you could drop him into an NHL game if you wanted, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they say, look, you been through a lot here, and we don't know how this hand is gonna is gonna behave. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it, look, there's time to sort that out. But they do have cap space. The greater discussion was about do they have enough room to add a couple of players. I certainly think so. Even if Blake is somewhat somewhat skeptical. Bodog line of the daytime with Jeff Patterson. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like? What you got? Going Whitecaps, and of course, it's been a big week for them. Their win in Los Angeles, and then Vanny doing his thing with Nickelback the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully his attention is back on the pitch. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> they're on the road again. They're in Kansas City, but they're ahead of Kansas City in the standings. They got the win down in Los Angeles. I can get them at a draw. I'm not even putting the pressure on them to come out on top in this one. But if they can get a result, a draw pays out at plus yep. 285. I so took that I'm earlier in the week. I'm with you there. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, follow us and RankWide wherever you get your podcast, And please do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.